But that's that mentoring experience. And that's what podcasts and that's what we hope our podcast become for people is an opportunity to to almost like a masterclass situation. Because uh, there are teachers out there who, who are rock starring, uh, who understand what it takes to do what we do. But nobody knows who they are. Nobody's heard their voice. No one's, no one's, you know, there's not a camera in every teacher's room capturing all these moments and, and putting them in a file. And you may have never experienced it, and then you may listen to it on a podcast, and then all of a sudden you experience it, and it's like, oh, I remember them saying, okay, this is how you, okay, got it. And even though it may be like, no, nah, I can't do that, but it gives me an idea. It sparks an idea in my mind of what I can do. Welcome back, everybody, to the ABCs of Inspired Teaching. On behalf of myself, Kyle Krieger, and Wilkie V. Law Third, we want to welcome you to the podcast. Um, and hope you enjoy this uh, part two of our conversation with our friend Hal Bowman. Um, Hal, a guy we've known for quite a while, um, long teaching career in English and band and some teacher mentoring, but now he spends most of his time uh, working with teachers, helping them reconnect with their purpose and, and find that passion. So uh, we brought him on to talk about, you know, what the last couple of years has been like uh, as a professional development facilitator, as well as what his particular perception of teachers are now. And on this part of the episode, the thing that really stood out to us is um, he said we're not winning the perception war. We're not controlling the narrative of, of who we are and what we do as teachers. So be sure to check this out. Um, you know, we talk a little bit more about recruitment of teachers, how we can keep good teachers in the classroom, and a bunch of other stuff. So we hope you enjoy this episode. Um, if you do, if you haven't yet, please subscribe and leave a like, leave a review, help us get this podcast out to a few more people. Um, and be sure to go find Hal. You can find him uh, at Hal Bowman and pretty much anywhere online. So um, thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, joining us here. And we hope you enjoy this episode. And that man... That we, Kyle always says, we, we talk about this, you know, with kids, what do I have to become? And I think a lot of people think that, oh, you're being fake. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't consider it being fake. I consider it like a transcendence. Because if you're not multifaceted, you know, they tell you the fastest way to get rich is to have multiple streams of income. The fastest way to build relationships is to be multifaceted, to understand that I can, I'm multidimensional. I'm not just three-dimensional. I can, I can carry my weight in everything. So that means you have to kind of be versed in everything, which means I have to know me. You know, that's one of the first places that I, I tell teachers, if you don't know who you are, there's no way you're going to teach a kid to, to, to find out who they are. So true. You're, you're not, you're not. And yesterday I wrote down, we were having a staff development and I wrote down that you cannot get above average results from below average people. And so before we start trying to say, I want my teacher to be here academic data wise, you got to ask yourself, what am I doing to help my teacher themselves as a human to become above average? What am I doing to help them grow themselves up so they see themselves differently than I'm just a teacher? Yeah. You know, the argument we had yesterday, someone, sometimes you just got to cut it off. I was like, when I was on vacation, 
I found playing with a group of nine, 10 and 11 year olds and having a conversation with them that was so engaging. And the mom was like, I'm so sorry, they're bothering you. I say, they're not. My wife's like, oh, he's a teacher. She goes, no, but you're on vacation. I see teachers never on vacation. <laughs> I say, cause if I was a firefighter and there was smoke coming from a building across the street, guess what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna spring into action because that's what I know. Yeah. Not saying that I'm gonna work all day long, but when the work comes to me, I'm going to engage it because I'm a teacher. It's what I do. And it's not work for me. It's like, this is this is what I love. Yeah. And you know, and, you yeah. know with, with helping teachers connect with that, here's the thing. In my work with school leaders, what I really want them to do is I want them to be able to model what they want from their teachers in the classrooms. Mm. Like if you're not greeting teachers, at the door every day as they come into work, you have no right to expect them to greet kids at the door coming into the classroom. If you're not excited in the mailroom, in the workroom, or teachers coming in to make copies and getting coffee and checking the box and all that stuff, if you're not in there, it, I mean, if you're not part of the hype team, don't, don't expect to see that in the classroom. If you're having a professional development teacher meeting after school, don't talk about me about, don't talk to me about having engagement and collaboration in my classroom if that ain't what we're doing in the teacher meeting. I mean, how many meetings have you been in where, where some principal this front room, you people need to have engaging lessons. I come by your classroom, it's a sit and get. All I ever, it's like, what the hell are we doing right here? This is what we're doing. You know, and, and so like, I think, it, it, you know, there's a couple like Heather Patterson, you know, down in Lamar, she's at George Ranch High School now. You talk about, I mean, dude, you better get rid, if you're having a teacher meeting, you bet your ass is gonna be a confetti cannon. And, and all kinds of stuff, dude, it, it's amazing to watch. And she does it because now she's earned the right to expect that from her teachers. Got to model the behavior you expect to see. And I think we we think, we here's what we tend to forget is uh, teachers, they're, they're just kids, man. And they're human beings. And there's no difference between a human being and what they need on an emotional level if you're 12 or if you're 32. It's the same thing. We want to feel connected. We want to feel like we matter. We desperately need all of that. And we tend to think our teachers are robots and don't need to have their cup filled. When it's the complete opposite. Right, because where are they going to get it from if they're, if they're not getting it from us, from the leaders? It Who's has it? to be their main focus. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and there's another principal, I'll tell you, he's principal of the year. I'm not going to say his name because he told me, if you say this publicly, I would deny it. So I'm not going to say he said it. He told me that whole thing, kids first, not my school. You want to do, I expect you to do that in your classroom, but not for me. Teachers first for me. And he says, you don't have to look at it like this job is so hard. He says, I look at it like in a biblical approach to marriage. It's you and the wife first, and then collectively you parent your kids. So he says, in my school, it's so hard that it's, it's our teaching staff, our school family of teachers first, and then collectively we go and change lives. You can't do it kids first in, in his school, he says. It's the, the mindset doesn't work. You're going to burn out. You're going to put the construction paper on your window, and, and you're going to shut down. So we have to come together every day as a family to teach these kids together. Can I just say that I was today years old when I heard somebody say that? And that is a wow moment for school leadership because I hear so many principals and administrators say it's kids first, it's kids first, it's kids first, it's kids first. The very valuable commodity 
that's actually going to put your kids first, you're telling them where you're, you're running a close second. But I want you to put kids first. Right. But you're a close second. Yeah. Wow. So he tells, he has, it's first on his window covering the school, <laughs> but he tells his teachers, when you see that, you think we first. And together, we're going to love these kids. Mm. And to that, to, together, we're going to love them relentlessly. We're not going to give up on them. We're going to teach them. Mm. Make it together. And and it's so true. And, you know, his school is so difficult. You know what else I love about this guy? He says, he has, he goes, this is like, he goes, this is like being on the vice squad. I'm not going to ask you to do a career here. Give me your best five years. And we're going to find you a job at any school you want. He goes, this is the school. Like, you got to be all in. It's gonna. It's a life. I'm asking you for your life for five years, and then if you want out, we're gonna get you a job. But give me the best five you got. Wow. Which is totally different than most principals because they feel like if I get a great teacher, I want to hold on to them. Yeah, and he. I don't want them to leave. Convinced, man, he goes, listen. But at the end of five years, you're because that's it's such a steep, steep learning curve. He, he says teaching in my school for five is like teaching for 20 in any other school. You're going to have that many experiences. It's kind of like working in the ER. You're going to see mm. it all <laughs> and a lot of it. And he goes, and so like and we have them. And so let's 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 take that teacher, put him in another school with 20 years experience in, my, in five. And now, you know, another 30. And they have the unbelievable expert in education. Let's put them in another school, make a difference, and give me a brand new one. I'll do it again. The question I have for you, because this is something that Will and I have been talking about forever when it comes to you know teacher recruitment. So if you're of the mind, which you are, that it's got to be in your bones, it's got to be. I mean, if if we're going to change the profession, so how do how do we how do you feel like we get more of those people? into the classroom because i'm assuming you got to catch them before they're in college yep. or before they get into the professional space how do we get right them? oh dude this is i love this you know there's a state that called me and i've been working closely with them trying to recruit teachers and because it's a it's a very sparsely populated state and they're like how are we going to get a teacher to come here why would there's no there's no place for their spouse to work it's in the middle of a cornfield there's no walmart for 80 miles like, how are we going to get a teacher here? And it's great. It's a, it's a great question. And, dude, here's, I think, where the whole thing starts is, yeah, they're not lining up anymore. I know in Oklahoma, just last week, they shut down a couple of university education programs, certification programs, because there's so many kids to teach, to be a teacher. Wow. And But here's what I know. Every single human being, I know this is true. Every single human being had at least one moment when they thought about being a teacher. I know they did. Everybody that's been to school, public school, had a moment, oh, I might be a teacher. It might have been in second grade. It could have been at some point in the band or if they're an athlete or they're connected to a teacher. And they, they I want to make people feel like that person make me feel. Knowing that, I think it's going to have to, it's going to come from within. It's going to, the only way to increase our numbers of educators is having teachers who are in the inside talk about the amazing work that we do everywhere to everybody and but the challenge that we have is and i'm listen dude i know it's hard i get it the problem is that the only thing anybody hears from us is how how much it sucks how hard it is and i think man if there's some way that that's the only way that we're going to recruit teachers is those of us still in the trenches talking about the amazing impact and the opportunity that we have and the calling 
in 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 just I mean there is no other profession on the planet where you can have this much of a of a shift in the trajectory of an entire generation. You know, like mm-hmm. there's only one place we're gonna fix problems in our country, and it's in our classrooms. We have them every day. We have the we have the future in our in one place every day. Mm-hmm. Like the being on the cutting edge of that, man, is just a powerful opportunity. And here's the other thing. Anytime I look on recruiting information, it says, hey, come teach at our school. We need an algebra teacher. Well, I mean, dude, no one wants to teach algebra. What they really want to do is be the most influential adult in the life of the kid. That's really what they do. And the way they're going to do it is through algebra. So let's talk about what people really want. Do want people want to be paid a lot? Yeah, they do. But more than that, they want to matter. They want to make a difference. They want to know that their work, their life, their life's work matters at the end of this whole thing. There's no better place than teaching. So rather than talking about the content and the data and the numbers, and here's and we're we're now hiring for fourth grade language arts. No, man, we're at, we're hiring a heroic individual to make. We're hiring superheroes at this place to change the lives of kids. Oh, by the way, you're gonna use language arts to do that. Do you know what I mean? Like it's a whole, it, it goes back to the Simon Sinek thing. Focusing on why we did, everybody wants to be a part of that. And the other thing is, is taking care of who we have right now. Do we need to recruit? For sure. Priority number one, retain those that we have. Yeah. Man. Everybody's on the verge. Here's the thing. If everyone's being honest, every teacher right now that I know is secretly has gone on the Google. See, what am I what am I qualified to do? If I if I had to get a job, what would I do? And they're searching. It's terrifying, yeah. dude. It I is very terrifying. Mm-hmm. I don't think people realize it because we're not we're not losing just anybody. You know who we're losing? Amazing teachers. So years ago, dude, years ago, 10 years ago. We're losing 50% of teachers in their first five years. 50% don't make it five years. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. This ain't for everybody. I just wish they would put student teaching the first semester instead of the last so these kids would know to get out now. Go get out. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> because the problem we have with teachers is people that want to become a teacher often were amazing students. And they're just they're thinking everybody else is amazing too and when they get in the classroom they got sally sunshine in the front row they got one person like them and everybody else is a bunch of animals like me so they so so the the challenge is that we have to help our teachers um connect with the the man, it, i just it's the awesome insane honor and responsibility of teaching and parenting kids and you know years ago we lost those we lost those 50 percent. that was then this is a whole different it's even now it's insanely difficult and we have to do everything we can to retain the ones we have because what i was saying the ones we're losing are our mediocre teachers the people that care the most are leaving the most that's the terrifying part Years it was go, it was the people that were ineffective, were overwhelmed, didn't have a good mentor, they left. Now, it's the people that aren't getting a paycheck. And what I'm talking about is the paycheck of making a difference. Mm-hmm. It's the people who care the most. 
because there's a direct relationship between how much you care and how frustrated you get. The more you and care, the more, the more you frustrated care. you'll get. Yeah, the more you care, the more pain. The more you care about the lives of your kids, the more you love them, the more emotionally painful this is. So yeah. those teachers that don't have that same level of compassion and empathy and concern and care for kids, in person, <laughs> online, whatever, I don't care. But those of us who love them the most are in the most pain. And right now, 10 years ago, we were losing people that didn't care, that cared the least. Today, we're losing people that care the most. Yeah. And we've talked before at length about, you know, framing teaching as a service, you know, like you would frame being in the police or the fire department or going into the military where you're really getting people within their purpose versus versus that man but yeah yeah you know know, that's the one we've lost the perception war like Mm that's like dude i don't know about if dude if i look at social media i'm all i know is every teacher on the planet the only thing they're teaching is critical race theory according to the news that's the only like it's like, what are, we, what are we doing? I don't know anybody that's even ever broached anything close to the subject. How do you, how do you, oh man, it's just me thinking about how you, how you cut through that noise. And even just what you were saying a little bit ago about making positivity, positivity louder. You know, we both, we both follow Gary V and listen to him talk about how you got to, you know, it's, it's a small minority that are super loud right now. Yes. And how you, how you cut through that, how you, how you overcome it. You know, here's the, here is the downside of um, news and social media and the confusion between journalism and opinion and how those have, you know, morphed into the same thing. And yeah, I mean, it's all about, well, all I know, if I, if I can say something really salacious and on one extreme of the spectrum, whatever the extreme end that is, it doesn't matter. That's going to get some clicks and views and it's going to get out there. But here's the way I look at this. I look at it the same way when I work with a school on um, their, you know, a lot of schools have challenges online with Facebook and crazy parents, you know, all kinds of issues. And the problem is what I say to them, man, is like your field that you have is so dry. I mean, it's like this kindling is just waiting for a field fire, forest fire. And all it takes is one little spark and this thing's going to just, we have to flood. We have to flood that dry field with so much positivity and truth about the kids. Do we get caught up because of who we are as traditional educators that you know who we celebrate we celebrate the kid that got a perfect sat score and the honor graduate and the kid that set the state record in the high hurdles gets on the website and we you know who's happy about um that's it what we need to be talking about is a third grader with finger paint on their face next to a teacher hugging them like there are so many successes, daily, daily heroic successes, that are, and we just overlook them. We have to publicize all that. I'm telling you, dude, there are miracle, like truly magical moments happening in classrooms every day, tens of thousands of schools that no one knows about. 
So basically you're saying do your old band director trip by finding the coolest people and making them whole education. Well, here's the thing, dude. All I know <laughs> is we need to put out, we need to put information out there about real teachers, working mm -hmm. with real kids, building real connections, and as a result, making a real difference in their lives and tell everybody about it. Absolutely. Mm. You know, I think we get to this, we get a, a, to a level, and I, dude, I've been there, man. I mean, I get it. Like, I've been there. And we get to a level where it's so hard, it's so disappointing. It, it's, we have have a hard time seeing the evidence and seeing the difference that we're making and two talking about it do you know it's really really hard well you know in I essence sometimes you feel like you're bragging yep and 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 i know for me like i i've been talking to everybody anytime somebody asks me hey how's your day going man it's amazing my kids are rocking it out i did i pulled a rita pearson and told my kids i was like look guys let me explain something to you i'm the best teacher in the school they put you in my classroom because they know I get results. So I don't care where you were before you walked into this door. I know where you're going. So all I need you to do is give me 100% of, of you, and I'm going to give you 100% of me, and I'm going to show you just how great you can be. That's what I told my kids. And when I had that conversation with my kids, you could see a shift that took place in some of the kids just because somebody believed that they were great. Again. One of my kids who was super duper great in my room, we just had a dance battle last Friday. He and I, we were supposed to have a re reboot part two this Friday, but he got suspended because in another teacher's classroom, he got into a fight. But in my classroom, he sits in his, he sits in his desk. He, write, he does everything I asked him to do. It hadn't always been that way, yeah, you know, but it is now. And yeah. so when I testify about him, I can only say, from where he was, and I had just messaged his mom saying, hey, look, I know we had a rough start, but look, th this is what we did today. We had a dance battle. Make sure you ask him who won. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so she sees that there's a teacher building a relationship with my kid who, who just wants him to be great. Nice. And he's bought into it. Yep. And so when you talk to other teachers about it, sometimes they feel like, but that's just you. It's not esoteric. You can grab it too. It's 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 not this big idea that that no one can hold on to. You can do it too. You know what the huge difference is, dude? Is like it's a le it's hard to explain to people unless you've seen it and experienced it yourself. Is and it's obvious that you you've tapped into it and you know it's true. And that is, I know. I know for a fact, it's not 99%. It's 100%. I guarantee you, this kid, these kids in my class, they're going to love it. They're going to be a part of something bigger than themselves. They're going to feel more significant than they ever have in their lives. They, they're going to get can't wait. I know it's true. And because I know it's true, it's going to happen. You know, it's, it's so hard to explain until you get it. You know, when I was in, I was in uh, New Mexico with a real struggling, low, low socioeconomic junior I was working with kids and then oh, I've been there maybe 10 minutes I'm in the gym and they pull what they call their leaders together and that means they're their most influential kids I'm not saying they're positive influential but they're influential man and we put them together in the gym and about 10 and when I'm doing activities with them we're doing things and it's engaging and I see the principal she's keep peeking in and coming back and there's more and more people and I'm like what was that about and she goes I was showing my teachers like he's had him in here for seven minutes and we haven't been able to do this. We, you know, we've been in school for seven months. 
and I, and she and they're saying the only difference is know what they want. I know how to give it to them, and I know they're going to buy in. They're desperate for this. They're desperate for the connect. If you look at every behavior that kids, I'm talking like a negative behavior, it, and really analyze that behavior, it's always for the same few reasons. They want to. The, they, they want to feel like they matter. They want to feel like they're significant and they're significant. Look, you're yelling at them and they're the star of the classroom. That's significant. Look who, look who they friend up. They're desperate for a sense of connection. That's why they're mm-hmm. in that group together doing that stupid stuff. Now they feel like they really matter because they're part of something bigger than themselves because all the nonsense they're doing together in that group. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all, it, I'm not saying it's easy, but it is simple to analyze all of that and to use your classroom as the place where you can fill all those emotional needs without the behavior issues. Right. Right. And you know, dude, and that and that's where that that's when teaching gets fun. Like Mm -hmm. the only reason I'm teaching is because I want to have a dance battle. (laughs) I happen to have to teach us other stuff. And I'm willing to teach other stuff so I can hang out in the hallway. Right. (laughs) And and we can trade punches in the arm. And and we and we can sit in the cafeteria and make fun of each other. You know, and, and steal tater tots. Like that's the uh, I have to teach the stuff so I can do the stuff I really want to do. Yeah, yeah it's so crazy. Like you, I'm sorry, go ahead, Kyle. I was just gonna say, like, and that's. I think it's really hard for teachers to accept that. I know for me, it's hard to accept that. I'm I'm teaching social studies just so I can do all the other fun stuff because I've been like, I just want to find a job where I only get to do the fun stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe that doesn't exist and maybe it does, but, you know, and that's just really, I, I even think back to what you said about, you know, that feeling of overwhelm and feeling of pressure. But for me, like I've tried this year only to just lean on that fun stuff. And if I get through a certain amount of social studies, I get through it. If I don't get through it, I don't get through it. And, and it just kind of is what it is. Dude, it's true. Like you, I think every teacher really honest talk. Okay, like like my daughter, she's in college, and she has a four And but the bill comes, it still pisses me off because I'm thinking I cannot believe I'm paying for this thing. Because look, dude, just give her the give her every exam for every class she's going to need for a degree. Let her use her phone. I promise you, she keeps a four They have access to the information. So we really have to decide. Okay, what is the one thing? If I could have one thing that stays in this kid's DNA, like wrapped up in the dull helix of this child that they're going to pass on to their own kid. What is that? What is that one? And it, you know what? It, who knows? It's different for everybody. But let's say, you know, um, you know, it, it, maybe it's persistence to love people relentlessly. Who knows whatever it is? Well, everything I teach in that classroom is going to be all couched subtly and framed in somehow persistence like i'm going to find examples of that everywhere i look because that's what i really want to instill in this kid they're going to forget the dates they're going to forget the times they're going to forget the wars and the battles and people and betsy ross they're going to have no idea who any of those but it doesn't matter they have a phone they can look it up if they ever need it but what they will still remain a part of who they are and their new dna is someone who doesn't give up who's someone who finds what they do and they're, they're passionate about it and they love people relentlessly and there's a filled with persistence and courage. And that's who we really want. That's the point of the classroom. Yeah. And, and I guess maybe the one thing to kind of wrap this conversation up, cause we do want to be respectful of your time is 
I think everything you've talked about, how the average teacher or the average, like you said, lay person will see that as a classroom that has no boundaries, that it's just a free for all. So where, where do in all of that stuff you talked about purpose, loving kids, sharing with that, where, where do boundaries fit into there and expectations? Man, I'm so glad you brought up because people think, man, we're just doing a freaking three ring circus of campfires and juggling and kumbaya and loving each other. No, man. Like one of the greatest needs that we talked about these kids have is a sense of certainty. And what that is, is expectations. And the reason I'm able to do that, this is where people get confused. The reason I'm able to do that is because I have so much structure. Like we have so much. I'd say the uh, Rhonda up in uh, where is she in Quitman, she's a superintendent there. She sent me this book. It's awesome. And I can't, God dang it, I wish it was here. I can't think of the name. I'm terrible with book names. But what it's about, it's about kids. And it talk about how is um, they, there was a playground. And they all they did was extend this playground for kids. No, it became a giant. They moved the fence out like a hundred yards out. And what these kids they find was still just work in the same corner of the playground because this is where they felt they had this giant field to roam and all kinds of stuff to do. But they found themselves crowded into the same corner because this is where they felt a sense of, of security. And kids need the same thing, dude. If we're gonna have those mo- magical moments of sharing and coming together as a family. It begins and ends with structure. So yes, I have procedures. Of course I do. Yes, I have a set of rules. Of course I do. Now I don't. I'm not like a carrot and a stick. It's not like if then rules. If you continue doing this, I'm going to write you up. All that. Because what we do is we build our classroom rules and our procedures on a foundation of core classroom values that we come together with the kids and we talk about it every day. And it's a heavy conversation. And at the beginning of the year, yeah, it might be 17 minutes. And, you know, six months into the year, it might be 17 seconds. But we talk about the values, that this is a place where we all agree we're going to come every day and love one another. This is a place that's built on respect. So, yeah, rule number two says don't talk when I'm talking. But I don't say that. I don't say, hey, you just violated rule number two. Because rules are fun to break for kids. But what we do say is... Hey, brother, isn't this the place where we talked about we're going to love and respect one another? And then what are you doing? Okay. I want them to feel the pain. And the pain, kids don't feel pain when they get breaking a rule. Kids feel pain when they violate a commonly held value, a value that's consistently held in the space where they're loved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's so good. I I do have one question for you that I want to see get your take on given our current environment for those teachers who are in the classroom who are, we know, and Kyle and I talked about it, student gaps in their academics. Yeah. Because of COVID and the pandemic and quarantine, we had so many students who, you know, I have students who literally this is their first year on campus in a year and a half. Yep. And so not only do you have that social gap with the connection piece, but you also have the academic gap that now where it was, you know, on average, one, most kids came in one year behind. Now you have kids who are coming in two years behind, three years behind yes. easily. And so how do you how do you build? Because we know that frustration with kids, the biggest one is coming from, if I don't really know what's going on and I have no clue, then behaviors are typically gonna come. Absolutely, dude. 
you know, so how, what would you say to those teachers who are battling and trying to connect with those kids, you know, and kind of close those gaps up? Yeah. And dude, I, I honestly, uh, you know, I'll get to it, but let me just say, I hope this serves as some sort of uh, impetus for our state leaders to realize that some of these we are, I, I know this isn't popular, but I really believe our expectations, academic expectations of kids are way too high, way too high. I think what we expect the kids in math is insane. Insane. Do kids are doing in seventh grade what I did my junior year? You know what I mean? It's it, to watch my son. Unbe- you want him to do what? He, he, I mean, he's sixteen. He's dyslexic. He's a boy. He's full of energy. I mean, I'm hoping that we realize that some of our expectations of children are absurd, and we're putting way too much pressure on our you know, doing reading tests for first graders. It's ridiculous, man. You know, we gotta let kids be kids. All right, let me get to the gap. Here it is. Man, I, <laughs> I'm probably the worst person to ask about this. Look, I, I, I love kids. I, here's, I think, the problem I have. I have seen so many kids struggle academically. Dude, I've taught thousands upon thousands of kids over 30 years. I have seen so many kids that struggled academically. They were miserable in school and they hated school and they are crushing it professionally, crushing it personally. The challenge is that we are so convinced as educators that that where this kid is academically reflects who they're going to be as a person. And it is soul crushing. I'm telling you, the kid is going to be fine. Like they're going to be. Like, we need great people. We need great mathematicians. They have calculators, man. We need great people. And what leads to the frustration is the, isn't necessary. What I have found, it's not from the teacher. It's from the pressure put on the teacher. So let's, and that's a distinction I think it's important to make. So this pressure isn't coming from you as much as the external people telling you, people come up with an arbitrary finish line and your kid has to be here by the end of fifth grade so it's not you it's someone else putting on a pressure on a kid they would never even met okay so now we have a person by the way they're not even in the classroom anymore at the state level they haven't been in the classroom for 30 years so they have they don't know this is a very different kid for anybody who says oh kids are kids just like they were 20 years ago no they're not this is a very different thing we're doing so these are these are standards set by people that haven't been in the classroom in decades for kids they've never met who are very different than kids that used to be. And their brain functions very different because of technique. And it doesn't really matter. And we know that because we've all seen kids that are crushing it in the entrepreneurial world. And they're, they're entrepreneurs because they have a different kind of brain. And to celebrate that difference in the classroom rather than to penalize the kid. So I think for me, it's, it's, it's getting my brain right first of what's really going on here. And the kid is going to be fine. And I'm going to be fine. And let's celebrate this kid. And let's just do the very best that we can. I, I, for me, dude, I'm just so done with the measurement and getting the kid to this level. I'm so over that. The only thing that matters to me is did I do the very best? based on my core values as a human being and what's most important to me for these kids that I do my best. And if I did, awesome, man, I'm good to go. 
Yeah. yeah. I, I like that idea of the pressure, put the external pressure put on the teachers. And because I often say that you can tell the difference between elementary and middle school teachers, because after around third grade, kids lose their zeal for learning. Yeah, dude. Because the pressure now becomes on teachers to get them ready for state testing. Yep. And so now it's not like the kindergarten or the first grade or the second grade classes where it's just you walk in, you feel the joy of I'm here to do this great job. You feel the joy. I'm here to show you I can do a great job. And third grade, it becomes you're going to sit here and listen. You better know how to perform. And it's like, oh, snap. I can feel that difference. The energy is so different. Right. And so you're right on point, man. We have to teach kids. I always say, I whether you fall in love with learning then fall in love with math because learning is universal. If you learn how to learn, it doesn't matter where they, where they put you or what they put in front of you. The mechanics of learning is the same. So I'm not here. I tell them, I'm not here to make you love math. That's absolutely not my chore at all. My chore is to show you how to love learning, love learning. And if you learn, learn to love how to love, learn of learning, Everything else in life will work. Dude, the other thing is with children, especially at that age, man, I'm glad you brought this up, is when we, when a kid is, um, hits the third grade and now here comes all kind of data and assessments and benchmarks and everything, you know, and what we're, we, what we say is what we're doing. We're, we're, we're creating this metric that we can use to teach more effectively is what we're saying. But what's really happening on the flip side that no one is talking about is we're giving kids evidence of what to believe. Mm. So if you struggle in math and you're constantly getting pulled out and your math facts and in your times tables and, and they're pulling you out of what you love, which is recess and pulling you out of, you know, the other subject to, to, to teach you. What we're doing is we're providing kids with the evidence that they suck at this. And here's the most graphic example I've seen. I was driving in front of my kid's school and she was in third grade and they have all these blow up stuff and she's coming down on the slide. I'm looking like, what is the hell is she doing? Why is she running around with these kids? It's not field day. And there's maybe 20 kids or something. And I look at a whole school. This is over in Garden Oaks, where it's an older, it was an older campus. Now they remodeled. And all, all these kids are looking out the window. Hundreds of kids at these kids playing. Having a little private field day. And so after school, I'm like, hey, baby, what, what were you doing out there? I saw you this afternoon play. Oh, that was all for all the kids that got the perfect score. for the start test. So now we have evidence. My child has evidence. My daughter does. She gets a perfect score. She has a 4.0 in college right now after three years. That's evidence. And she's living up the evidence. There's my son looking at the window. I'm not one of those. I'm one of these people. And that's all the evidence I need. Mm. And so what do we do with my boy? He gets pulled out for reading. He gets pulled out for math. He gets pulled out for everything. And here's what we're doing academically. We're trying to raise the boy. He's at the bottom of the of, of the, our scale, of our graph. And we're trying to get him up to be a 70. We're trying to get him up to be average. What's happening with all these kids that are, um, they have all these potential, all this natural ability, no one's talking to them because we're spending all the time with my son to get him to be average. Well, all these other kids, now we're not being nurtured and not being nourished academically and they're dropping down to average. And what we're having is a, a nation full of mediocrity because we're spending so much time 
tutoring kids, remediating kids to get them to be average at stuff they hate, and they're never going to be good at math because their brain doesn't work that way. They have a whole other system for learning and a whole bunch of kids falling down to mediocrity because we're not spending time nourishing what they're amazing at. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, it's I'm, crazy. Because I would have been the kid in the window as well. They wouldn't even allow me to look out the window. <laughs> Dude, it starts in the first grade. Walking by that, that, that right there is a bluebird classroom. Yeah. I'm in the Redbirds over here. Yeah, I did first grade twice, and I got the news real quick, dude. I ain't one of those folks. Yeah. All right, Will, any uh, other topics, questions you want to ask before we ask him a couple of wrap-up questions and get out of here? Yeah, there's a hundred more, but we don't have time. Yeah, we'll do so. it again, man. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll just uh, – you know, I know you got a, a lot of traveling, but we'll uh, we'll keep in touch and maybe try to do once a month, once every six weeks, kind of get on here and just. Yeah, whatever, man. I'm all down. I'm down for a long I do have a quick question, though. How does it feel to be back face to face? Dude, I love it. Here's the thing, man. It's just like um, just like you guys do with kids. It's just, dude, it's, um, you know, I think I really can. I mean, I got pretty good at the virtual presentation and connecting. and I, I'm pretty good. I mean, I think I'm good as I can be. Um, but what there is nothing better for teachers than what I call the emotional synergy of the room. Mm. And that is when everybody feels the same emotion at the same time, it, it is, it, there's an expert, there's a, there's a synergistic effect. It's like when you go to the movie, it's like, have you ever seen like an amazing movie and you can't wait to tell people about it? Dude, it was so funny. It was awesome. We were laughing so hard. And then you watch it by yourself on the couch and it ain't all that funny. Well, what it was is it was in the room, shoulder to shoulder in the theater, laughing, and it makes it even funnier. Well, that's the thing about professional development. When it's done the right way and modeled the right way, like we, we want to see teaching from our teachers, and it's emotional and engaging to do that in the same room with everybody on the same page, loving kids. Dude, it's powerful. And, and my, I mean, the shows have always been great, my shows, but, but coming back now, teachers are just they're just starving for that affirmation and reconnection with passion and purpose and to see it modeled and be together in the same room with everybody else. It, it changes, it, it changes the culture fast, man. Mm. You'll have to, uh, if you ever make it up anywhere Midwestern, you'll have to let me know. I'll come and I'll, I'll, I'll hype for you. Dude, I've been up there. I've been to um, I used to do shows in uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul. I forget the name of the hotel. It was really fancy. It was awesome. And um, it was fun. I remember, you know, feeling uh, it's like there's a bunch of Scandinavian people here, dude. And I remember feeling I'm already the size of a fourth grader. But man, there I felt like the size of a second grader. Yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly a hearty stock, a hearty stock of people. Yeah. <laughs> Scandinavians, Germans, Italians. That's what you'll find up here. Yeah. All right, wrapping this thing up, we want to get back to a question we used to ask a lot. Right now, is there anything you're, you've read recently or listened to recently that's really inspiring you? And I have this thing I do called uh, Change a Kid's Life. And what it is, it's an online video thing I do for schools. I started at the beginning of the pandemic where what I'll do is I will beam in and do a 45-minute session 
after school, you know, the faculty meeting. And then every two weeks, they get a video of me talking. And one of the things also uh, um, uh, is we do a book study. And, um, and they're, you know, so I've been reading a lot of these books and going back and rereading books. And the one we just did, we went back and reread uh, this Simon Sinek book, Start With Why. And the reason I love it is because, yes, I love um, the psychology of it, but more important, it's the biology of it, as he calls it, the tenets of biology, where it, it, it really gets back to all the rational, logical stuff we do at the front of our mind is important, but doesn't drive behavior. What drives behavior is at the core of the brain, the, old, the limbic brain, not the neocortex, our, our emotional brain. And if you really read that book and change it from um, corporation to school or from business to a classroom or from employer to teacher, employee to student, dude, it's really insightful. And um, if, I mean, I, you don't even have to read the book. You just have to um, watch a TED talk. It's only 12 minutes or something, you know, that's good enough. And for me, that just revisiting that book has been, um, it's been awesome. I loved it. Mm. Yeah. If you could give one piece of advice to teachers everywhere and know that they would take it to heart, what would that be? What we talked about today, and that is finding a group of people that you can connect with and they're committed, committed to staying emotionally healthy and keep each other accountable for emotional health and life balance and focusing on what's really important. I think, I think it's too hard, man. It's too hard to, um, it's just too hard. You can't do it yourself. I don't think the mind is that strong. I think it really takes a, a team, a, a team, not just somebody else. If you have one person, I'd start with that, but two, three, four people that can come together and keep each other healthy and strong and focused on the right things. And every day accessing your personal answers to what do I want for my kids? Why am I here? Who do I need to be for my kids? Helping each other find successes and point out these magical these are these are moments that are changing lives to help each other see those that are there they're right there but we can't see we're blind to it we're numb to it we're callous to it to have a group of people to help us point it to point that out for each other man it's 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 desperately needed right now mm-hmm all right so how for people that want to connect with you, what is the best way for people to do that? Where can they find you? How can they link up with you? Yeah, man. Everything just Hal Bowman is such a unique name. H-A-L-B-O-W-M-A-N. They can Hal at HalBowman.com. Go to HalBowman.com. I do have social media accounts. I have been so burned out. I just could not function on social media the last year or year and a half, but I'm trying to get it back on. And so, you know, Facebook, Hal Bowman, Instagram. I got banned from Twitter um, or suspended or something. So I'm not there anymore, but I'll try to get back on. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's another right. conversation. Yeah, that's a, that's a, <laughs> that's maybe an off offline conversation, but will anything you want to wrap up with? Um, no, I, I just want to, let me, can I just pour into you now for your, for your work in this craft and just say, thank you. Uh, as you know, Kyle and I, you know, we're preparing our book right now 
to inspire teachers and, and having an educator like yourself who talks of their journey and who are open and honest with teachers and who are in the fight with us to try to help teachers find that sense of purpose again. And I just want to take my hat off to you, literally, and say, man, thank you so much for what you do for our craft and what you continue to do so tirelessly. You know, it's needed. It's it's. Uh, we know we talked about the want versus need, but it is needed and it is appreciated for those those of us who are still on the front line, still fighting. So it thank you, thank you. Dude. And that's the thing, man. I'm I'm the first to admit. Like, I know a lot of I don't know people get caught up in you know the motor. Dude, the real I just talk about this stuff. I talk about it. You guys are doing it. Like those are different things, man. You know what I mean? So I think of all this celebration that you know whenever I'm in a school. I, I'm, I can walk by multiple classrooms in every school. Like, why don't you have that person talking to your teachers? What do you have bringing me in for? That's the expert. <laughs> they're, they're actually doing this stuff. You know, so the fact you guys are out there and loving kids and being a role model and man in the classroom, I'm not sure there's a more important role right now, but uh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks, everybody, again, for listening to the ABCs of Inspired Teaching. Um, it means a lot that you would take some time out of your day to listen to what we have to say. Um, and an even bigger thank you for being a part of this profession and being on this journey with us. So please, again, like and subscribe to, pod, uh, to the podcast. Uh, if you enjoy it, find us uh, at the ABCs of Inspired Teaching on Instagram. And then you can find at its kyle krieger and at its.will.law.iii across twitter instagram tiktok all those places where you can find us let us know how we're doing and let us know what we can do to better serve you but much love again thank you for being a part of this profession and thanks for listening